Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Hey, let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we're in a season that sometimes if, if we're not careful, we just sort of happily get through. But Lord, I, I just pray this morning that it not be a heavy message, but Lord, you do what you desire. I want it to be a message that points us to what life can look like every day. What our, what our personal growth can look like every day. What our families could look like every day. Lord, speak to us, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. When people ask you to wait <clears throat> for things, <clears throat> it's pretty tough. Um, we don't even like express lines. Can I get an amen? Um, I think I mentioned this last week, whenever my dad would, uh, I would ask for something as a child, and his response was always, we'll see. That, that was just code for wait. That was code for this might not happen. If that's me, I apologize. Uh, that, that's me. I'm trying not to do that again. <clears throat> but today I'm talking about what it means when we say wait, what are we waiting for? Exactly. Uh, Advent, we know we're waiting for that first time that Jesus came. We talked about this last week. The prophets literally were told about the coming of Jesus Christ in Isaiah, and they had to wait 700 years, which means they didn't see it. Over 700 years passed before the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, we know in hindsight, because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Can I tell you, let me just say this. There's so much technology in our world, and it's only going to get more and more but there's really nothing new that will ever happen under the sun. Okay? So there's, it's not like something new is going to happen to us. And you say, well, Pastor, technology is new, right? Yeah, it's new, but it'll still make you feel like you're God. And it's not hard for you to think you're God now, right? This is, this is good. It's easy. Technology is going to make it easier. Nothing against technology. We just need to stay grounded. That's really what today is about. How do you live in the in-between? How do we live knowing that Jesus Christ has come, knowing that he's the Messiah, knowing that he died on the cross, he rose on the third day, ascended to the Father, sent his Holy Spirit, promised he would come again. How in our waiting for him to come again should we be living? When I was, when I was a young child, I was raised... Um, in the kind of setting that we believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Because no man knows the day nor the hour. So Jesus could come at any time. And if you ever listen to my dad preach, it could be before the service was over. And so we all got saved every church service. And that was, by the way, that was taught and preached every church service that Jesus is coming. The Bible doesn't say, and we do this, so I'm guilty, we, we have a lot of teachings that teach people how to live. That's what today's about. But the reason we teach people how to live is because we have to keep preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
without the resurrection, this means nothing. So we preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but what do our lives look like after we've experienced that transformation through Jesus Christ? What is that in between? Because he is coming back. I want you to think about it in terms like this. And I know if some of you are single out there, first of all, just thank God. Just throw it out there for a second. If, if you're married, though, how many remember when you got engaged? Remember that? Some of you are going to have to think way back. R- remember when you were engaged? And, and a good Christian marriage is based on an engagement that you, you pledge yourself to each other, but then there's this waiting game. You're not married, but you're going steady. There's jewelry involved. There's promises made, right? But you're waiting. That's, you know, the church is considered the bride of Christ. The church is considered, the church is talked about as the bride, bride of Christ. As a matter of fact, Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul, we always talk about this when we're talking about marriage in the church, we, we speak to the fact that Paul is saying, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the, and gave himself for it. Why? Because he's coming for a bride that he has given himself to, that he has cleansed, that he has washed by the water and the word, so it will be holy, that it will be completely without blame, it will be pure. So, in other words, Jesus is coming for a church that is ready. And it's only through him that we get ready. And Paul uses that analogy of marriage because it was understood that When you betrothed, when you were engaged, it wasn't the same as being married, but there was going to be a consummation. There's going to be a powerful, Revelations even tells us, I put the scripture up there, Uh, I heard, Revelations 19, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of many thundering, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, that's going to be a wedding banquet you don't want to miss. Okay. For the lamb has come for his wife and made herself ready. And to her it has been granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteousness acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. Now, I say this simply because we know that Jesus Christ has come. He came as a baby but we know he's coming again as king. We know he's coming again to call us home. So how do we live in between? What does that in-between time look like? I'm really praying for some conviction this morning because here's the reality. Most of us live life sort of like we do when it's Christmas time. Now, what does that mean? We know it's Christmas time which means the holy days are coming, Christmas is coming, so we start decorating things. We want things to look different than they normally do. We want things to look lit up. Different lit up, but lit up, okay? We want things to look bright and clean. So we we even start to go out and shop because we want to present things to people that they appreciate. We want people to feel loved in this season. That's why all of you, Now, you only do it during this season. 
But all of you, when you're walking into every drugstore, there'll be someone there from the Salvation Army, and you will, you will lovingly go by and drop something in and sort of nod like, I'm good. Because we all, we all have that, and we call it the Christmas spirit. We call it the spirit of Christmas. Those who don't even believe in God will call it the spirit of the holidays or whatever they call, whatever they're experiencing. But here's what I'm suggesting. Why do we only do that for one month? Like, why do we only have Thanksgiving Day one day? Now, we shouldn't eat like that every day. But why do we, <clears throat> why do we only practice being so thankful one day? And you say, well, Pastor, that's a lot of work if we act like that all the time. Well, uh, let, let's look at it this way. What if instead of all the decorations, we focus that much energy on our inward man? You know, decorate. You know. I, I'm going to get in trouble just, just for a second here. But <clears throat> I'm, first of all, I'm very proud of my wife. She's been trying to cut back on the decorations. Because we have an attic. And the older I get, the harder it is to get up and down out of that attic with the decorations. And my poor son, he doesn't even live with us, but he already knows that when he's home for Thanksgiving, before he leaves, he and I are getting in the attic. Because he's strong. And I can just hand stuff to him. So the older I get, I, I'm sort of praying, God, do we have to put up a tree? Do we, do we have to put up all the stuff? You know, now, okay, okay, everybody's going, oh, yeah, yeah, put it up. All right, put it up, but when you take it down, what are you going to be like? When we take it down, you know, anybody know people who just leave their decorations up, period? That way they don't ever have to put them up again? Amen. Have you got that, neighbor? Um, <clears throat> here's what I'm saying. What does it look like for us to live in the in-between when the 25th has passed and we're cleaning everything up, we're trying to figure out how to get rid of all the boxes, all the stuff, what does it look like? Because let's talk about engagement one more time. When you are engaged, I'll just speak for husbands for a second. When, when you're engaged, do you say, did anybody come up to you and you say, well, I heard you were engaged, congratulations, um, how's your fiancé? I don't know. What do, you, what do you mean you don't know? Don't you talk to her? Well, about, you know, once a week. Does that make sense? Well, how's your relationship with Christ? I don't know. I, I guess he's doing fine. Well, don't you talk to him? Well, yeah, about once a week. Okay. Well, he's making you feel guilty again. No. This is the This is conviction. Um, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm really having struggles, and I, I just find that when I'm, when I'm shopping, it helps me feel better. Now, here's, <clears throat> let me talk about engagement one more time. I'm, I'm not trying to make this work today. It just fits too easy. When a person falls in love, there's a, there's an, a, there's a definite chemical reaction in your brain. Okay? When a person falls in love, men, this is why we were able to marry up. You know what that means? Men are able to find women so out of their range. And here's why. Here's why. 
Because love, the chemical reaction in your brain, causes you, this is the truth, to lose judgment. That's, that's why, and I counsel a lot of couples. Uh, couples will come in, and they'll say, well, pastor, we just love each other. Okay, that's good, that's good. That'll last for about, that's good. But, but why, where, where are you working? Oh, we don't have jobs. Well, how are you going to live? Oh, we just, we just, we're going to live on love. And that'll work for about two days. Because somebody's going to say, I'm hungry. Somebody's going to say, well, where were we going to sleep after we get married? Somebody's going to say, how are we going to pay the bills? And you'll be surprised how your judgment, you know, because right now when people come and they're all in love and somebody says, you better think through that, and we think, oh, they're all critical. They don't, they, we're in love. They just need to be supportive of us. No, they're trying to let you know that's just a feeling right now. You will come to your senses. Hello? But see, it's not like a Christmas gift. You can return that. You know, you can't return him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's another sermon. That's another sermon. Okay. Men, don't sweat it. We're in good hands right now. But l- let me ask you a question. When you go out Christmas shopping, I really do have a passage that I'm going to read here in a minute. When you go out Christmas shopping, that same feeling as we go into the holidays is the same chemical breakdown that happens in your brain when you fall in love. And you say, wow, what do you mean by that? That's how people are able to go shopping when there's no judgment. And they, they, somebody says, we'll finance this for 18 months, no interest. You mean I could get that jacket for 18 months, no interest? It's a jacket, folks. Don't buy it. You know, if you, if you can't afford something, don't buy it. Now, how has this got to do with, Pastor, come on, you're on Christmas. Get on the Word of God. Listen, this is the Word of God because I'm talking about how to live in between. So when we're talking about living in between, it does, guys. It deals with our finances. It deals with our lives. It deals how we need to be living on a regular basis. Because if the Lord tarries, how many, because of your finances, you're like, Lord, please come tonight. <laughs> Lord, please. <laughs> or at least wait two weeks. I can experience it for two weeks, but then come before the first payment. Here's, here's what's going to happen, guys. We're going to go into 2021, and you're going to play the victim. You ready? You're going to play the victim of 2020. People are going to say, well, why are you experiencing so much defeat? Well, you know, COVID. Why, why are you so down, man? 2020 just drains me. No, listen, I'm telling you right now, 2020 is going to be a blip on the radar when you understand who you are in Christ. So how do we live? Am I making any sense? So how, how do we live in this in-between time? What does it look like when... When we go into the holidays and we go in on this high, and it's good, please, 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 this year's going to be different, so there's not going to be a lot. We've already talked about this. We're not having a lot of large church gatherings. It's going to be different. Weddings have had to even scale back, okay? So we understand that. It doesn't mean that we can't celebrate. 
It just means I want us to be living it on a daily basis. Now, why is this important? How is this important to us? The Bible tells us, and I'm going to be reading through the book of Romans here in a moment, <clears throat> how to live in this in-between time. How do we live this out? Because it's not about just getting saved and then having to go to church and just sort of listen to the preacher beat you up a little bit on Sunday. If that's what you feel, please talk to me afterward. Because if anybody knows me, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. It's not about that. I, I hope it doesn't come across that way. On the other hand, it's sort of like we live in a culture that nobody wants to be offended. Nobody wants to be corrected, confronted. Parents, prime example. You, you talk to a parent about their child and they're trying to raise their child, trying to help their child learn to make their own decisions. Um, and then you say, well, a child isn't smart enough to, oh, he's different. Yeah, but different will get you killed, you know what I'm saying? Because that same child can be playing in the interstate, and if, if someone screams at him, get out of the way. I didn't scream, I just want to. Get out of the interstate. Get out. You're going to get hit by a car, and you're verbally, it's not because, you know, John, do it in love. No. But see, we're living in a world where people are standing in the middle of interstates, spiritual interstates. Lives are at stake, and we as the Christian community are walking around, if we're not careful, saying, you know, I want to do this in love. See, doing something in love doesn't mean they enjoy it. It means you're doing it. Here's what it means to do something in love. It may be painful, but you're not doing it to hurt them. You're doing it to help them. So if somebody says, man, I just don't appreciate, you know, I, I don't agree with that. You just did it, and I, it just hurt my feelings. Well, get over it. It's not supposed to feel good. You know, ever, ever have a splinter in your finger? Question is, do you have, ever had a splinter? Okay. Um, and, and you know if you went to your, the way I was raised, if I went to my dad, he was to say, let's get that. And usually how he got it is, instead of taking a tweezer and trying to pull it out, he would go ahead and take a little knife and open it up a little and get it out so we could clean it some. At least my mom would take the tweezers and play with it some for a few minutes, and then I ended up going to dad. Why? Because it may take a little bit of pain, but the healing now can take place. It's not that my dad was trying to, ooh, this is my chance to cut him. I've been wanting to cut him all day and then not be against the law. Let's, now let's cut him. No. See, we think that's how God operates. No. The reason some of us think we're suffering is you're not suffering. God's trying to put us on a path, and you just think, I'm not getting my way. Because you're not supposed to get your way. We're supposed to be walking in his way. Everybody still love me because that's something else you have to do. You don't have to like me, but you do have to love me. So how do we live in this? First of all, there's only one book. It's the book. You can, you can have your own directions for life, but the Word of God is our only direction. So turning to the Word of God, Romans chapter 12. And I, I, I know what, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to cut things short because I really got a cool guess this morning that's going to just blow our mind. So how do we live? Romans chapter 12, 
if you read the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is setting us up for a a big swing because the first 11 chapters deal with who we are in Christ, who Christ is, the history of salvation, if you will. Romans is a powerful book of theology. It, It breaks down every aspect of our life. And if you read through chapters 1 through 11, you'll find pretty quickly that Paul's trying to let the Romans know God is a God that you must understand is going to judge you. But through Jesus Christ, we are sons and daughters of God. We are terrible sinners, but God is rich in mercy. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he closes out chapter 11 talking about the mercies of God. And then he starts chapter 12. He says this in chapter 12, verses 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and that perfect will of God. Now, our first point today is this. If we want to know how to live in the in-between, first of all, we have to understand we're learning how to live. You're learning how to live. You see, when you were pre-Christ, you were sinners. But saved by grace means that there's a transformation that's taking place. It means that every day God's still doing a work in me. I never arrive. I, I never get to the place where I'm not continuing to grow. I never get to a place where I'm not continuing to, to experience correction, love, grace, mercy, It's good to feel like you move to that next mountaintop, isn't it? But in order to get to the next mountaintop, there's going to be a valley at some point. So it's sort of having to learn how to live. I've never climbed Mount Everest. Some of you believe that. And you should because I've never climbed Mount Everest. But one thing I've learned about watching the shows, by the way, it's always safer to watch the show. One thing I've learned about Mount Everest is um, there's different camping levels. They climb to certain altitudes and stay there for a while to adjust to the altitude. Then they'll climb to other altitudes. It's it's a progress. It's a process of growth and, and getting used to things. Some of us want to go straight to the top. Um, the bottom line is you, you can't. You're not ready. God's taking us through some things to help us grow and mature. And I, I want you to think about it in these terms. Instead of us just getting through something, is what is God trying to get through you? Instead of us just trying to get through this pandemic, what is God using this pandemic to slow you down long enough to hear him say to you? Instead of God um, just getting us through 2020 and, and realizing, wow, you know, I really need to make some changes and here's the, the cruel mistake that we always make going into the new year. We, we put down what we think we want to change. We call those resolutions. And those usually last three days. Not, not because we don't mean well, but in, in reality, we want to change the things we want to change. And there's nothing wrong with some things that need to be changed. But what if you start listening to the Holy Spirit? Because when he says, listen, I beseech you, I'm begging you guys, present yourselves a what? A living sacrifice. Jesus Christ has already become 
the sacrifice. But what's a living sacrifice? That means you're alive and you're breathing, but you've been surrendered. Your life is not yours, it's his. Now your flesh kicks in right there because you, you have your desires. But here's the, here's the reality of who we serve. He's God, we're not. So I give myself to him, understanding that he's got incredible plans and a future for all of us. But here, listen, I want you to give yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I've used that analogy there sometimes to talk about that's the least that you can do. But it means so much more, it's more than that, so deeper than I've ever talked about before. Because here's what it means. It means that you are now in ministry. And your first act of ministry is just to give yourself to him every day. Your first act of ministry is to give yourself. Now, can I get back to marriage one more time? The hardest part of marriage, are you ready? Is you're always waiting to get what you want. Okay, moving on to point two. Um, wow, you guys went out left on me there. The hardest part of marriage is you're always wanting to get what you want, right? So when you always want to get what you want, what do you do? You make the person suffer till they give you what you want. If I understand this correctly, and, and I'm looking at Jesus, and I'm the church, and I'm looking at Jesus as the coming Messiah, reigning forever. He's already come as a baby. Now he's coming back. He's calling his bride home. I'm looking at this as he's desiring for me to get up every day and say, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. Here's my life. Here are my desires. Do we all have natural desires? Come on. Give me an amen, guys. You know, at least somebody watching blink or something. Um, here's, here's the reality. We all have natural desires. Pastor John gave us those uh, Pastor John, God gave us those feelings. You're right, and they're real. They're very real feelings that as husbands and wives we need to care about. But here's what I've also learned in marriage. I spend a lot of time saying, God, here I am again. It's time to crucify the flesh. Because this isn't about what I want. It's, God, what do you want? Now, how does, how does he start, and how does he keep that transformation don't you guys wish that transformation was just like going into a prayer room and then you come out changed? That we could just go into a prayer room somewhere and call it a cocoon, and then we pray for four hours straight and we come out and we're miraculously transformed. Let me, let me tell you how it's going to happen. You ready? Let's start in verses 3. <clears throat> how does transformation change happen in our life? For I say that through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think highly or more highly than he ought to, but think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for we have many members in one body. Now let me just stop there and talk about this for, for two minutes. Here, here's how we are transformed. <clears throat> we are daily reminded that it's not about you. You are just a small part of the body of Christ. And now here's your, here's your transformation part. Learn how to get along. Learn how to get along. Well, that's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit, right? But, but that's just it. We're the body of Christ. That means I've got to understand who I am in the body of Christ, how God is using me, and then be able to get along with the other people around me. 
because this is about me getting this isn't about me getting my way this is about the body of Christ making a difference in this world now he goes on in this passage and I'm not going to go there this morning he goes on in this passage and talks about the different gifts that Romans talks about in this dip, different setting prophetic gifts encouraging gifts gifts of teaching See, all of you have some type of gift you bring to the table. The, the challenge is, are we using it? Are we in the body of Christ, or are we somewhat just trying to decide, you know, how we want to be a part of the body of Christ? We're just waiting on Jesus to come. I, I really don't even know if I like the church. You, you, don't, you may not like the organization, but you don't have a choice about the church. You're either in the church or you're not. You're in Christ or you're not. You're a part of what God is doing or you're not. And we go through seasons of growth, absolutely. But you don't grow in isolation. It's the body of Christ, guys. You need each other. You need people to be around you to encourage you. You need people around you to say, you're going to make it. You need people around you to say, I love you and I just want to help you. I want to encourage you. But you also need people around you to say, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, I'm the hand, you're the foot, and you keep stepping in it. So I need to ask you, but I'm going to go to the mouth first because he does all the talking. So the hand and the mouth get together, and they start talking to the foot. Am I making any sense? And you say, well, pastor, that sounds to me like somebody's just wanting control. There is. There is somebody in control. Because, again, we all, this doesn't work unless we all surrender ourselves to Christ Jesus every day. Transformation, a surrendered life, transformation, what God is trying to do in your life. Why is this important? Because God wants you to understand that living in the in-between doesn't mean huddling and hoping for his return. It means living this out and making a difference. Living this out and making a difference. Because why does learning how to live, why is that so important? Because the second point is he's wanting us to learn how to love. Because I'm telling you right now, you can't love until you surrender. Now, we can do, the, we can do the, um, the, the beginning stages of love. We can lose our judgment. We can be in love. And some people do that. Listen, when they first get saved, they're like, all about Jesus. He's just a temporary high until the first storm hits, until the first difficulty hits. And that's when they have to, that's why you have to be a part of the body, not out alone by yourself. Why? Because when you're part of the body, you realize that storms will come. Listen to how he describes this love issue. He says it like this. When I'm talking about love, he says, I want you to understand in Romans chapter 12, let love be without hypocrisy. Now, I, I cannot preach through all these lines this morning. But here's what I do want you to know. What does hypocrisy mean? It means take off the mask. Not, not literally. Keep your mask on. Okay, this is not an anti-mask message. But here's, here's what he's saying. Let love be without hypocrisy. Be real. I can't be real if I'm not surrendered. Because if I'm real and I'm not surrendered, you'll see that I'm a hypocrite. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. 
not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. And I know when we read this sometimes, we're thinking, man, that's, that's got to be a strong church. No, that's got to be us. That's got to be us. I, I've got to have the kind of love that I love no matter how I'm feeling. Because it's not about a feeling, it's about a commitment. It's about a new covenant through Jesus Christ that he showed us how much he loved us that he died for us. And that he rose again. And that he's coming again. And he wants us to live this out as if we believe that. So we're learning how to live by, by operating in the body, iron shopping iron. Um, listen, I, I, know, I know there's a lot of marriages that have gone through a lot of stuff in here, believe me. But I'm telling you, the only way to make your marriage work is if both of you die on a regular basis. Spiritually. Right? You have to die on a regular basis. Every morning. Uh, my wife and I have been doing a devotional out of a powerful book. It might be a great book just for all the couples in the church to use. And we've just been reading it to each other. And it's been messing me up, quite honestly. Because the more I read it, I'm like, man, I'm not dead enough. I thought I was dead. I'm not even close. Because what it's telling me is, John, um, this, is, this marriage thing is not even about you and Diane. It's about you being a testimony to the world about my relationship with you. It's about you um, showing off, proving his mercies to the world that even though you may fail and even though there's a lot of stuff in your life that's going to get turned upside down, you are a testimony of how I never give up on you. That's the kind of love you have. So he says, I want you to have this kind of love. How do you get that kind of love? You don't get it sitting at home. You get it doing life with each other. You learn how to love by somebody getting on your nerves. Man, I, I knew this wasn't a good Christmas message. But I knew it wasn't. I didn't think it was going to be that good of a not good Christmas message. You get on each other's nerves enough, you realize what forgiveness means. You break each other's heart enough, you realize that things have to be healed, things have to be mended, things have to be walked through. Am I making sense? Because there's no way to learn how to love without learning how to live. But when you have surrendered, when you have put yourself in the position of being transformed by God, you understand that loving is now a whole different subject than that un loss of judgment feeling that you had when you first got married. and you could just, I could just live here forever. Well, you, you can't. <laughs> That's going to disappear. And then you're going to realize that life gets tough. But I promise you, he doesn't give up on us. Because here's, here's where I want to go for a few minutes. <clears throat> we learn how to live by walking out the word of God on a daily basis, daily surrendering. And in living, we learn how to love because as the body of Christ, we're working together. Not just on Sundays, guys. We're, we're interacting. We're the family of God. I mean, just look around you, just in this room this morning. I, I know it's a, a bit sparse because prayerfully there's a lot of folks watching. But with this pandemic, gatherings have been put to a, a halt. But a lot of the reason you're here is because you just got to be around people. It's not a personality issue. It's we need each other. We're the body of Christ. So as the body of Christ comes together, gifts are operating. Love, healing, discernment, prophetic gifts, 
But that, that's not just when we're together. He's talking about us doing life together because now we love each other and all those around us. So we learn how to live by learning how to love. But then lastly in this passage, and, and I want us just to give a few moments to this, is learning how to serve. Learning how to live means you're surrendered to Christ. You learn how to love because you learn to surrender to each other. But then you learn how to serve. Um, I, I've asked a, a, a gentleman that I met several months ago now, but Joe, if you'll come on up and grab that mic too, brother. Joe Frislowski, um is a gentleman that some of you already know. You've already been working with him. And over a powerful ministry, Mercy Drops Dream Center. And I, I met him a few months ago at a Vanguard uh, breakfast. And then he was ordained with Vanguard just a few weeks ago at our Vanguard conference. And just heads up this incredible ministry. And the reason I asked him to be here today is, again, we've already been in some contact uh, with some folks working with him. But I just want us to tell, tell us a little bit about what serving means, how God's been using him, how God even just got you into this mess, and, and how others can be a part of it. Because if we, we can say we're servants, but if we're not servants, we're just talking. On the other hand, when we have opportunities, and as a church, we're, we're, we're locking arms with our brother. It's just too, it's just too easy. But, but, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I know your wife, Sandy, and your son could not be here this morning, but I, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about how God birthed this ministry into you and just how it is, how it is in the surrounding areas. Yeah, so <clears throat> how he birthed it, you know, you talk about a waiting. Um, this is not the fun part, but that's how it all started. Uh, so I came to know Christ when I was 14, gave my life to Christ in a church, in a you know, conference, and any of you have time on you, Dawson McAllister, Al Denson, that was my kind of, yeah, I didn't get a reaction, so I figured you guys aren't that old. <laughs> um, but so I made a commitment, I said, yeah, I'm all in, I'm all in, God. Um, little did I know uh, what was going to come from that. Um, I come from a, a Catholic uh, upbringing, so my parents said, hey, you know, when you turn 18, you can be a Christian. Uh, so you got at least four years to live with that. And so in that, I almost basically just said, okay, well, if you're not going to allow me to do this, I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm just going to be me and going to go do whatever we want. Because I knew what God was calling me to do, and for me, that was an out, that my parents said, you can't do it. And so I was like, okay, this is the out. I'm just going to continue to go. That was my shot for God to use me, and he's not because my parents said no, so we're going to go do what we want to do. Um, little did I know that that was a terrible road I was going to go down um, of drug addiction, sexual addiction, manipulation, and just using people left and right. Um, and in that, uh, basically now, granted, I'm a believer, and I, I believe everything that you know God has, God has said, but it just got so crazy and so deep and so dark that I realized that I messed up truly. I mean, I messed up big time decision after decision after decision, um, and I realized that I, had been, I felt like I'd been forgotten because of my decisions. Mm. I jacked up my foundation because there ain't no hope that we can come back from this, and I'm definitely not going to flourish from this because I was sitting in an office with a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, and this is where the church came before me and said, Joe, we've recognized you've done some things wrong. We've asked you to correct it. Uh, we're going to live the church out, and that was the first time I ever saw that, and I was like, wait a second. 
So if I don't get this straight, you're going to kick me out. Is that what you're saying? They're like, yeah, that's what we're saying. I was like, oh, well, that's not cool. Um, I don't want to be kicked out from the church. <laughs> so I said, well, what are we going to do? Because I have no hope. And they said, well, we're going to, you know, a good friend of mine, Paul uh, Martin, we spent about three years together. And, he, and when we first started, I said, there's no hope, Paul. There's no hope, man. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go right now because there's just no hope. I just keep making stupid decision after stupid decision. And he said, well, let's put our head down and see what God's got in store. And I was like, well, you're crazy. I'm crazy. Let's go for it. So uh, about three years into it, I realized we came back and we just, I just put my head down and just went after him. Uh, I said, okay, I don't know how to do this right, but somebody's going to help me, so we're going to do this. And I remember three years later, we got to the office, and he goes, remember when? And I knew what he was talking about, and I lost it. He lost it, and I was just like, wow, things have changed. Man, what happens when you really just give God your life? I mean, because I, I really, I can't tell you how those three years switched. I don't know what happened except I made a commitment to him and said, I'm going to give you everything that I got, and I'm going to do it. Because if I could screw everything up so well, I, if, if I gave everything to you, I should be able to do something good. And so from that, I came out, and I was just like, all right. I mean, that was my concept. So we came out on the other side, and I was like, all right, I made it. You know, I, I made it. This is good. And God goes, now I'm going to use you to help others. And I was like, oh, whoa, pump the brakes. I was like, I could barely get my own life right. I mean, what, what, what are we talking about, helping others? And he goes, yeah, that's where I come in. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And he goes, too bad. This is the route we're going. You made the commitment. I'm God. Now you got to listen. And I was like, oh, man. So I kicked it for a while. I was just like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to cause more trouble because if I cause more trouble, I'll disqualify myself. God goes, you do that, and I'm going to show you I'm God. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this because I'm not going that route because I know something's going to be amazing, and you got the wrong guy. I can't do something amazing. He goes, no, you can't, but I can. And so through that, uh, you got a whole bunch of things that happened in the mix of that, and basically the Dream Center came out of that birth. I went to a, a revival in Cortland, if anybody you know, Cortland, Virginia. It's not a big town, um, but we went in there one night, and I, I, I literally probably a week before got high, and I was just like, I, I messed, because I was asked to go tell my testimony, and I was like, I'm going to go get high and mess that up so I can't give my testimony, so we can't do this. I was like, I'm going to mess you up, God. And God's like, well, you can continue to do that if you want, but I'm still going to use you. And so we're in the service, and I remember the pastor, he was like, Joe, you might want to go put your books down and save your seat. I was like, man, this is a small church. I mean, why do I need to save my seat? He goes, trust me, I don't know what I'm doing here, but something's happening. And so I went and put my stuff down, and I went to use the bathroom, and not even 10 minutes later, I come back in, and this is a small church. It is standing room only, and they're packed out, three people deep out the back, and I mean, the doors are open. I mean, so it's like having service in here, and everybody's standing, and the doors are open, you got three people deep. And I was like, what is going on here? I was like, you know, I mean, never been to a church service like that. And then they played the hymn, Mercy Drops, Mercy Drops Falling from the Sky. And I was like, uh-oh. That's it. He goes, that's it. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I know that that's it. And I mean, and I was like, I don't like this because you are speaking directly to me. And he goes, it's all done. We're going to move forward, and this is what I've called you to do. You're either going to do it or we're going to have a rough road. And I was like, well, we're probably going to have a rough road, but we're going to get this done. And so from that, birth mercy drops. Um, the Dream Center didn't come along until I found out about 
the uh, Dream Center in L.A., and basically I was like, man, because God gave me a vision to do things in this area, and there was nobody in this area doing it. I was like, somebody's got to do this because this can't be brand new. I mean, this is not brand new. Um, and a lot of organizations in this area were doing certain things, but they weren't doing it like the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And so I said, I got to fly out there and see what they're doing. And uh, luckily enough, I got married uh, two weeks before I flew out to Los Angeles, because if I didn't, I would have stayed out in Los Angeles, which God knew was going on. Um, and you talk about fast marriages, we, ours was very fast. So, uh, <laughs> but it was good. Uh, so it's a blessing, because I, I need my wife more than ever. Um, but so where I am today is because of my past, making the terrible decisions and allowing God still in that struggle. Because I think we, we believe that Christianity is it's got to be clean. It's not. It's dirty. It's nasty. I mean, it's, it's dealing with me and you. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not Jesus, but man, I'm far from it. And you, you put me in a deep, dark alley, you're going to see somebody as nasty if it's the moment. I mean, I'm just being real. I mean, I know you guys aren't like that. You, all you probably are very good. You're led by Pastor John, so that's, you know. But what it did is it got, us, got me to the point. I said, okay, you're crazy. I'm crazy. You've already, we've already been working through this, and you're still using me? All right, man. I guess, it, I mean, he was just loving me. He was just loving me through it all, through the mess. And it didn't happen overnight. You got people where their lives are changed overnight. Mine was not. It took 20 years. Okay, so if, it took, if you're still in that beginning stage, trust me, God's still got a lot for you. Because I didn't know I'd be sitting here. Because if I knew I'd be sitting here, I probably would have made a lot more bad decisions so he wouldn't use me. But he probably would. So, but we got to the point of where we are today. And so we're all about finding the forgotten helping them build a foundation so they can flourish in life. And that means if you come into my life, it may take one day, it may take a week, it may take 20 years, but you're stuck with me because God put me in your life, and I'm sorry that you're stuck with me, but you got me, and we're going to be doing this. And so what we do as a Dream Center is we minister to those in this area that a lot of people don't. So, um, And when I say minister, I'm talking about we get... We lived the Matthew uh, 20, 25 verse out. Um, and so basically what we do is we minister, through, minister to those that are experiencing homelessness. Uh, we minister to veterans. We minister to foster care families. We minister to under-resourced neighborhoods. But we also minister to those that are experiencing drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and just life. You know, because there's a lot of people out here that just don't know how to do life. Um, there's generations after generations just... They just don't know how to do life, and that's what we're here to do. And so what we do is we help them uh, find them, literally go to the streets. I go to the neighborhoods. I don't wait for you to come to me. I go to the tent cities. I go, I mean, yesterday we were out in uh, Southampton County. I don't know if you know where that's at. It's a little south from Franklin because we knew that there was people that needed food. And so we partnered with the food bank and drove 45 minutes to go meet needs of people. But in that, so through our outreaches and our programs, we build a foundation so people can be flourishing. And I, I just want to share, so, I, so some of you might have been seeing, I, I hate using my phone during service, but when I'm speaking, God, you know, I'm sharing, God always says stuff. And here's the beautiful part. As you guys were singing, these were just verses as you guys were singing, light in the darkness, like take the light to the darkness, right? That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants to take us to the darkness. He doesn't want the darkness to come to us. He goes, go to the darkness, shine your light in that darkness, and that says Christian, Christians, what we tend to do is we, well, you come to me and I'll heal you here. 
Now, why don't you go to the darkness? Because that's what Jesus did. He came from heaven to here in this dark world to save us, right? So we should be doing that. This is God with us, but revealed in us. Mm -hmm. So God's <laughs> with me, but the only way he's going to get revealed is by me going to the darkness. And he says, and then he's, now I'm going to reveal who is in you to these people. And they're going to be ministered to, and you're going to be like, what is going on? And I'm just using you as a conduit to get to them because I'm revealing myself through you, and they'll know you by your love. And so as they realize that I have some kind of love in me, they realize that. But we live for you. Do you truly live for God? The dirty live, not the clean live. I'm like, oh, I got it perfect. You know, because, I mean, if you were in my house yesterday, we had, me and my wife had a great big argument. So, I mean, that's life, you know? And I could always say, well, God, how can you use me? Because I can't do it in the house. You know, I can't, you know, raise up my family properly. And Satan's always telling me that. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. We're just going to keep moving forward. We're going to live and we're going to learn. But then open my eyes and wonder. Show me who you are. Because that song that you guys are singing is a huge song in my life. And it just absolutely changed my life. Show me who you are and lead me to those around. Lead me to those around. Uh, lead me to those around me. Jesus does the saving, but I will build my life upon your love. Right? And so sometimes... Jesus says, I came to serve, not be served. Mm -hmm. Now, in the church, we go, I'm going to go and serve Jesus. Just think about that for a second. He says, I came to serve, not be served, but yet you're trying to serve me. That's a little messed up doctrine. A lot of people don't want to see that. They don't want to say, hey, wait a second, I should be serving other people because that's what Christ came to do. And he says, we might not, and I, I put this down, I said, we may not ever see the return on our investment. Mm -hmm. I may never see the return on anybody that I'm ministering to. But if that's what I'm looking for, then I'm going to fall short every single time. My part is to go out there and do, throw the seeds. That's really what God has just taught me. Just throw the seeds everywhere. They're going to land, some are going to grow, some aren't. You can't be, you know, why isn't it growing in Swanson, but it's growing in Dale Homes. Why isn't it? Don't worry about it. Just keep throwing the seed out. Somebody's going to catch it. It's going to grow somewhere. But then you got living versus existing. Are you merely existing, waiting in between, or are you living, you know? And so this is where the tough part comes in in the scripture is in Matthew. You know, he's saying there's, there's things that we as a church do very well. I can give you something to drink, I can give you something to eat, and I can clothe you. We do those things very well, because those are easy. And I can find clothes, I can find you know, shoes, I can get you water, I can get you something to eat. Then there's a switch in that verse where it says, invite the stranger in. Okay, because now when I invite you in, now you're in my life, I'm in your life. Oh, man, my life was messy. It's now going to get messy with you. This is going to be one big mess. Well, of course it is. But then he says, tend to those that are sick and tend to those that are in prison. See, now that's a relationship. Because, see, that's what Jesus did for us, right? He invited us strangers into his life, into his family, and said, hey, I'm going to tend to you when you're sick, and I'm going to come visit you when you're in prison. This isn't just prison doors, which it could be, but it could be people that are in prison to have a wide open door and have no clue that the door is clearly wide open. And so at the end of that, and the reason I share this, because we all, I believe we're all followers in here. We all could be. If you're not, well, you might be good on this one. But if you are, he says in the scripture at the end, those of you that do those things, 
This is, this is scripture, not me, okay? So don't hold me against it. <laughs> if you do these things, you're going to be a sheep and I'll allow you in. If you don't do these things, it's going to be a go. I don't know what to say for you because the goats ain't getting in. And that really hit me because I was like, I don't want to be a goat. I mean, I mean, I've been a goat for a while, but I don't want to be a goat no more. I don't like that because that's real. That's real. I don't want to miss out. And I think we don't preach this enough because I can go straight to the scripture and it's all red. <laughs> That's Jesus. Right? He's speaking to us and he's saying, if you do, because they say, oh, where were you when you were thirsty? I don't remember that because you were, you were merely existing in between. You weren't living because you're not looking. There's plenty of people out here because Jesus made the people that we minister to. Now, I can tell you there's some, there's some interesting characters that we minister to. I've been on the streets one time when I realized, and, and you know, I had to go through this, but I realized I was downtown Portsmouth one time, and God revealed that somebody had AIDS in front of me. He says, I want you to hug them. I said, are you crazy? Now, this was just goes going on in my head, and God says, you know and I know that this person has AIDS. I want you to go, and I want you to hug them. Now, this, I was very young and naive, and I was just so scared. He goes, do you not trust me? And this guy was standing across from me. You could just tell. And I was like, he's like, just hug him. That was way before COVID. And I was like, can I give you a hug? He was like, he broke down crying. And he was like, I, I haven't been touched in years. And I'm like, well, golly, I've got to hug you then. I mean, so I just embraced him and hugged him. And God says, see, that's all it takes. I just need you to trust me. You thought, now I was jacked up thinking, but you thought that something could happen in that mix that I was not going to protect you, but I did. And so today, you know, and, and I say all this, this all prepared us for this year because I, I prayed it in, in November last year. I was like, gosh, 2020. And let, let me just, yeah, go I want to ask, ask this. Because everything you're talking about, it's happening here. Mm -hmm. Portsmouth, yeah. surrounding areas. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's people hurting here. Um, go ahead. Oh, there's plenty of people hurting. Um, I mean, we were prepared in, you know, 2020, perfect vision. You know, God's going to be great. I mean, this is like the perfect year to line up as a leader, a titles and, what you're going to talk about. I mean, just, I mean, all the good stuff. And then 2020 hit, and it was, you know, it could have been the worst thing ever. Um, but God prepared us in such a way that we have plenty of organizations around us that are closing down. We have plenty of organizations that said, we, we can't go out. We got to be safe. And I remember when this happened, I told my wife, I was like, I know 500 kids right now that aren't getting lunches tomorrow. She goes, yeah, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, you know what I'm going to do. She goes, I don't know if we should do that. And I said, babe, I got to. I was like, he's going to protect us. She goes, oh, man. And so we shot forth, and we said, we're going to take care of these 500 kids for two weeks. We're gonna give them lunches. We're going to do it. I don't know how that was going to happen. Get home. I get two calls, and people, one person's like, hey, I'll give you $1,000 to get all this food. Then I got another call. I'll give you seven grand. Go get all the food you need. 
Oh, okay. Well, I was hoping for a no. I was hoping for no phone calls. I was hoping for no money <laughs> because that's what I had to do. And then we started it, and it lasted 25 weeks. So it went from two to 25. And then we started feeding people, and we don't usually feed people. I mean, we do in neighborhoods. We go into the neighborhood, we bring out groceries, and we feed people. This year, we've given, I think it's close to 1.4 million pounds of food out. Um, we were distributing food every single Monday at TCC campus in Portsmouth and just, just taking care of needs. And it's absolutely amazing. But here's the thing that I want to challenge you guys with. There's a reason I'm here today. And you have team members here, Ulyssa and Bobby and John and uh, Donovan and some others that are going to be joining. We've been doing some training already. But what would it look like if every church in this neighborhood decided to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to adopt the neighborhood and we're going to love on that neighborhood? We're going to go in there and meet the needs of that neighborhood. Because, see, there's needs of people that are poor, homeless, veterans, under-resourced neighborhoods, people that are dealing with addictions. But here's the flip side. And this is what most people don't understand, and we're trying to teach people this. There's neighborhoods that might be wealthy and okay and good to go. But guess what they don't have? They don't have friends that they go out and talk to. They don't communicate with people. They're hurting on the inside, too, because they want to be with people, too, but I don't want to be with people, and they, they've just lost that connection, and that's needed as well because, you know, I mean, it's just everybody needs the gospel, and so that's really where we're at, and so I'm excited about this because, you know, you're talking about serving. We do that six days a week. We go out to the community to serve six days a week. We go out, and we just go and probably be expanding, and so in the year where 2020... I could have easily said, hey, let's shut the door. Let's be safe. Let's not do that. We've went into the community, and I've been on conference calls this past week with three different uh, organizations with over 75 different organizations. And guess how many people are actually going to the streets? It's a very good guess. Thank you, Alyssa. It's zero. And they all look at us and say, can you do that for us? So now, through 2020, what God has just done is taking 75 other organizations that are used in the city and in the government, and has taken a crazy person that's just following Jesus and said, let's go with it, and now they've all routed through the Dream Center. And see, we have people that come from all over Hampton Roads and have no clue that we're all about Jesus, because we do that on purpose. I want to be a Dream Center. I want your dream to come alive. Because there's people in here that have dreams as this body, as all of us part of the body. God's waiting for you. Get those muscles. Start stretching those biceps. Get those forearms ready. I have a friend of mine, Pastor Bill Breon. He goes, I'm a ligament. That's what I am. How many of y'all can protest it and say, I'm a ligament? <laughs> Most people want to be a mouthpiece. I hate being a mouthpiece because I get in trouble and then I challenge other people. But some people are a mouthpiece. Some people are hearing. Some people have the wisdom and the mindset to put stuff together. So if you don't have ligaments, mm. <laughs> you can't stand up. If you, you, somebody's got to be a big toe, okay? Somebody has to be a big toe because if you cut your big toe off, I can bet you you're going to have a hard time walking. But we don't realize what we don't have until we don't have it. But here's what Christ wants us to do as, as the body, and I just believe that's what he wants to do through Grace River is learn how to live in them, be fully alive, learn how to live in them. What does that look like? It's not pretty. 
Just understand that it's not pretty. It's messy. And it's okay if you're a mess. Because you're not God. I'm not God. He is. Right? And he's doing the restoration through us. He's doing the transformation in us. And we're not going to be ready to go until he comes. So just keep living it out. But learning how to love. Here's the thing that we all miss when we talk about, you know, love God, love others. Well, we miss the middle part. God says, you have to love me with everything you have and then love others as you love yourself. See, most of us don't love ourselves. If you can't stand in a mirror, and I tell us people, <laughs> I had to do this myself, and I, I, I now love it. My wife's like, you're a little weird. But you get in front of a mirror and say, I love you. Man, you're a good-looking guy. You're going to have a great day today. Man, God bless this world with you. Now, I joke with that, but do you love yourself? Do you truly love yourself? Because if you don't, you are not going to be able to minister to somebody else. But it starts with us learning how to love ourselves. I had to learn how to do that. I still to this day am very challenged at loving myself. I'm very challenged at loving my wife. I'm very challenged at loving my four-year-old. I mean... <laughs> Boy, my son knows how to get to me, man. Um, but I say all this, it, it, but when you learn how to serve, if you learn how to live, you learn how to love, serving's just going to come naturally to you because you're going to realize, when I truly realize that God loves me, I can't but not go serve somebody else because that's what he's done. He said, I came to serve, not be served. And so Joe, go serve people. John, go serve people. And when you do that, Watch out. I think 2020, and we've talked about this, and we've talked about this as leaders, it's, it's a time where the church this year has been labeled non-essential. To our country, the church is non-essential. According to the scriptures, that's not true. But if we go out and we serve our community and we do it the proper way, and we do it the crazy way, we do it the nasty way, we do it the Jesus way. Because a lot of people don't think those go together. They do. Because I got to go into a neighborhood where people look at me and they say, mm, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'd, I'm not saying I do, but I'm here to love on you. I'm here to love you right through it. And I can tell you this, there's people in our community that are just like, they have been changed by the Dream Center. They have been changed by the Dream Center. You guys are going to be affected by the Dream Center, I can tell you that. Because he, he's saying, I am essential. My church is essential. And I'm, I'm waiting for those to step up, to rise up and say, we are essential. Because that's who God has made us to be, essential for our community. And so for me to you, I would just say, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at with living? Are you merely existing or are you living? Number two, where are you on that scale with loving? Not loving other people. How are you loving yourself? Because this is, that's where the church gets it wrong. We try to go love other people when we don't even know how to love with ourselves. That means dealing with the crap that you got in your life. Some of you may be in here, and you may have never opened up that little back pocket and said, Jesus, hey, we got to deal with this. Because he's not going to use you. Until, trust me, trust me, trust me when I say this. He is not going to use you until you... Put everything on the table. I say for 20 years, I tried to run and I put it on the table. He's just like, pull it on the table. Like, 
I don't want to put it on the table. He's like, put it on the table. No, put it on the table. But I can tell you this, I would not change my life for what I've experienced. Because I get to pinch myself every morning that I get to wake up. I don't even know how I'm doing it. But our organization has grown double in the time from last year. And that's not a coincidence. That's a testimony that if we say we're essential and we're going to follow you, God, that I'm going to, what does he say? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are what? Working is serving. He already says in here that the workers are few. I don't want to be, if I got to be the only one that's going to be one of the few, then I'll be that. But my job is go and collect people and say, hey, what can we do? Because the time is now that we go out and we serve. In the waiting, we have the most amazing gift that people can have. Hmm. There's people that are hurting in the streets today. There's people that are hurting that are your neighbors. Scott. Hey Joe, mm. how do we, yes. I know with Ulyssa and Bobby, Donovan and John, um, that's already a small team that uh, is over, Ulyssa's overreach and she's just leading that whole um, arena for us. But they're already involved, but it, it's still, it's not like you're here and we can be involved by just a quick high five. I mean, there's opportunities for us to pour ourselves into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just give us a, a two-minute wrap-up on, besides just seeing Ulyssa. <laughs> yes. Um, what that would look like and um, what I believe, and, and I, I can just, um, you know, my dream for this is knowing how many people we can reach, but knowing how many people that you will reach because you are serving. Uh, you are living this out. Yeah. You are learning how to love. And it gets us out of a, um, and, and this sounds pretty hard, but we live in such a selfish culture that we've just decided, I'm going to take care of me, us four, protect ourselves, Jesus is coming soon. Rather than pouring ourselves out, and like you've been saying, um, just get out there and do it. So how, how, what would that look like for us to get involved? So I think, well, definitely with you listen, adopt a block, they're learning how to do that so they can bring it back and train you guys. Um, but there's different ways that you can get involved with what we're doing. I mean, we serve, like I said, every single day of the week. You can come out and join us and partner with us and see what we're doing. When we're fully ready to go, you guys can get involved in here. Um, there's definitely prayer praying for us. Um, but for you, I mean, just getting out and, and, and serving. You know, it could start somewhere where you say, Joe, I'm not ready to do that. Serve your neighbor. You know, for me, that's the first challenge that I tell people when they're, you know, we're coming to do this. Do you know your neighbor? Do you, do you know what they like? Do you know if they like cookies? Do they like fudge? Do they like hot cocoa? Hot cocoa? Do they like coffee? Cookies. Cookies is good. Pastor John likes cookies, so you guys know. <laughs> but it's, it's those simple things because we think we've got to do something big. It didn't start with me doing a dream center. It started, can you go downtown Portsmouth and pray for people and don't talk to people? I say, like, what, what, what are you saying? I can talk to people. He goes, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to pray. And just go down the streets and talk and, and pray and talk to me, and we're going to pray for this whole city, and then I'm going to use you. And I would have said no if I would have known what he was doing. But start with your neighbor. Say hello to your neighbor when you're going home. Watch him be shocked. Oh, how you doing? Because you're starting a relationship. It's just little things like that. And just open the door. Really, I mean, honestly, that's what it is. Lord, use me. 
use me. That, that, that's it. You know, use me. And then watch out. Because he's going to use you. But here it comes back to the important part. We want to serve, but I always tie it back to if you are not dealing with you, the serving is not going to work out. Because it's going to be your flesh going to serve. And I can tell you the neighborhoods I go to. You bring your flesh out, and they're going to know in innocence. I got to be walking in Holy Spirit, because if I'm not, things can turn detrimental very quickly. I mean, for example, we've been in a giving out groceries, and a drive-by's happened. Okay, well, we keep doing groceries, you know, but we got to be protected. But the easiest thing is to love you and then do what God has asked you to do. And you'll find out, as soon as you start working on you, he'll ask you to do something. Can you go do that? Well, no, I don't really want to do it. Well, that should show you instantly you should do that. And it's the little steps. It's the little things because we're trying. he's not going to have you do something big if he don't trust you. He got to trust you. Can you go do this? If you can do that, I'll give you something else. And that's what he's done for me. So I would say for us in Grace River, just start where you're at, and that's you and the person right next to you. Amen. Amen. Joe, thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. Thank you, brother. Let's, let's let him know how much we appreciate him. We're going to close, but just do me a favor. Take a breath. That's, that's as easy as what he's talking about. How do you live this life? One more breath. But now surrender to him. How do you live this life? One more breath. One more step. But, but loving like he loves. How do you live this life? One more breath, one more step, but when he speaks to you, do it that way. Uh, you're going to be surprised what God starts to lead you into. Um, some of you already know. That's a cool thing. Some of you already know. Um, thank you so much, Joe. Let's all stand. Um, I, I'm so blessed. I, I want you to take about five minutes after we're dismissed just to, you know, practice social distancing, guys. We don't want anybody to feel offended or awkward. But it, it's important to say hi to people. I see some people here that we don't have a chance to see in a while. And I want to make sure I hug next with a mask on. Amen? Okay, whatever. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I want to pray with you and for you. Because I know some of you are dealing with some stuff, guys. I know you are. But God is a God who forgives. And he just wants you to trust him and take one more step. And you know what happens tomorrow when you wake up and, and, that, and we trip? Here's what you do. You take a breath. You get up. You confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you take another step. What I have found, and I know today's gone long, but this is good. What I have found is people generally give up way too easy. And God has not given up on you. So in this long journey, this is not a sprint. We're, we're not just waiting for him to come. We're living for him to come. So live. I want to encourage you to learn how to live, learn how to love, and learn how to serve. And it's just taking a step. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your presence today, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of your word for us, but then the depth of how you've shown us how we can live it out. How many lives can be touched. 
Lord, forgive us for making it about ourselves sometimes. Forgive us for making it about what we want and what we think we need. Lord, it's not that you don't care about us. It's that you do care about us. And you're trying to stretch us and, and form new things and new thinking, a transformation of our mind and our heart, that we live a life that is holy unto you but powerfully used by you, that we love one another and our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to love ourselves today, Father. Not out of arrogance and selfish ambition, but to know that we're forgiven and you love us. And help us to love others, Father. Lord, I pray that even today we just serve. We just love somebody and just serve somebody. But Lord, I also pray that this door that you open with us in, in the Dream Center, Father, Lord, I pray that you just continue to bless them. But Lord, thank you for the blessing of us being able to walk with them. Bless us. Use us powerfully, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. Amen. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.